So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Ryder University. Now, let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be reached to our website, which is www.cwmi.us or you can call me directly at 609 716 Seven zero zero. Uh, this week we are very pleased to have with us Aaron Claybauer, uh, president of Imbu uh, Creative. Aaron has been helping businesses and organizations create powerful connections with their audiences for more than fifteen years. Her diverse background in branding, marketing, creative, and agency operation, combined with her consultative approach and passion for helping people succeed, ensures. Her clients and internal teams are empowered to create solutions that inspire and get results. Aaron has been recognized by the Princeton Mercer Regional Chamber of Commerce, Women of Achievement, Ryder University's Alumni Leadership Legacy Award winner, SNJ Business People's Top 40 Under 40, New Jersey Advertising Club's uh, Jersey's Best Marcom Professionals Under 40, and SNJ's Top Women in Business. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Communications with a concentration in business and professional speech and a minor in marketing and advertisement from Ryder University. Uh, when She also has twin boys. And uh, I don't know how you get all this in and you belong to a bunch of great uh, entities, which I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the, uh, the conversations here. But you've done a lot. Uh, you've probably done more than most of us do in our whole lives. And you're not even 40 years old yet. That's amazing. So... Uh, how did you get, you've got quite an interesting background and even quite a bit. You want to tell us a little bit of, you know, what led you up to this point and what kind of inspired you to be um, in this uh, part of the world, so to speak, as far as the, the the marketing and branding and things like that. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And um, yeah, I don't know. Where do I start? So I was born on Halloween. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually... I have a very eclectic life and upbringing. Um, I had a single mother who was a career woman. She was actually uh, one of the first paid women lobbyists in New Jersey. Um, she was executive vice president for a career assessment testing company um, up in Parsippany, and we lived in Ewing. So she was always on the go. And um, my godparents were like my second parents. They were both lobbyists as well uh, for the New Jersey, New Jersey Food Council and the um, state of education and a whole bunch of different things. So I grew up with some really um, driven and caring people around me. And um, I was very independent only child. Um, so I kind of, I feel like everything starts from there. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I would grow up, you know, having dinners with governors and senators and I'm sleeping under the table and I have no idea who's really there. I know that they're big and I know that they say it. And now I look back and think, oh, my gosh, you know, I had like um, uh, Christy Whitman was, you know, sitting at the dining table and I'm just hanging out and, you know, decided to take a nap under the table. <laughs> and so um I think a lot of my drive and a lot of my ambition and just never being afraid of titles per se has really come from that eclectic um, upbringing. And then, you know, I really, my we had a big house. My mom rented the upstairs attic to a bunch of college students. So... <laughs> You know, I was the band cover for one of the guys that had a band that would play in our garage and, you know, bumper stickers all over me. And that was me. This seven-year-old with bumper stickers was their first CD cover. And so it was just cool life experiences that gave me so much, I don't know, um, you know, joy for life and just really wanting to take that and, and be really driven is probably where it really started and my character comes through. So you're around a lot of people who didn't ever take no for an answer and were actually then also some very creative people. So I guess I'm kind of seeing how this led into that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's a great way to put it. I, you're, you're dead on. It's so true. Yeah. So now that you don't ever say no, don't accept no for an answer, I should say. So uh, when you started off, so you, you were the cover of a band of CD, which is fantastic. So there's your first promotion, right? You were part of that, your promo there. Um, so as you got a little older, uh, what did you do? What did you do next after that? After you were seven years old, I'm assuming, I know you're under 40, so you probably started three companies by 12. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I probably did in my head. Yes. Um, no, I mean, I did things like in elementary school, I won uh, a statewide um, contest for a Dear Mr. President letter where you why why is education important to you and i got to meet um president bush at the time and that was really great um but even our school drives i was always competitive i had to be the one that sold the most i was walking around the whole neighborhood selling to family and friends and you know just something that it was naturally in me and i really enjoyed um and being busy was something I loved. So getting into high school, I had two jobs, um, plus probably babysitting. I was on, you know, the swimming team, the soccer team, high school rec and travel. And so I was always all over the place. Um, going into college, I held a full ride. Um, I also had a full-time job at Yasna Palana, um, which was an amazing experience in itself, you know, convincing them that I wasn't just the Bev Cart girl that they were interviewing, but I was the fine dining, the wedding banquet person that they needed to have on their team um, when I didn't really have much experience. And so that, you know, gave me a lot of multitasking skills. It gave me a lot of poise and, um, you know, serving all these very, very wealthy and powerful people and needing to, um, you know, be able to kind of juggle all of that at once. Um, plus in senior year, I had two internships I was doing side by side. 
on top of all that. So I've just, and trust me, I had a great social life. <laughs> so I was all over the place, um, but I loved it. I just, I just loved it. Well, I think what's great, I mean, one of the things maybe you can give some insight into this, since this, this was kind of your life growing up, uh, being around a lot of really, um, you know, uh, powerful people, so to speak, and uh, well-known people and things like that. What are some things that you think maybe differentiate those who kind of really are the movers and shakers in the in the in the world, and just kind of the rest of everybody, you know? So, what do you do? You see anything different? And maybe how do we? Um, how is it? How do you associate with them maybe any differently than you would with somebody else? Or, or can you tell us some differences that you might be able to identify in them that maybe when you see in yourself, right? Because you seem to, you're very successful yourself. So what do you think are some of those qualities that you've seen in, in these different people that you've met over the years? Honestly, um, authenticity, being um, humble and polite to all not thinking anyone matters more than others. Um, we knew those senators and governors, to be frank, and presidential candidates who would come in, and those that were very down to earth and really nice to us, and those that chased me in the kitchen because their steak wasn't good enough. So it, it really said a lot about their character, in my opinion, um, how they acted behind the camera versus in front of the camera. So um, I had a lot, it, it was being able to see who's really authentic and who, you know, really did care about everything that they were doing, not just maybe the one cause. So do you think they're pretty good at relationships, maybe connecting with okay. people and, you know, using that connection to maybe help them to advance their own agenda, quote unquote, right? So, I mean, we all want to just do things in life, right? And I guess the more people that you can connect with to help you move in that direction, I would think would be a benefit to somebody who really wants to go far, whether it's a senator or a governor or president, whatever the case may be, or, or running a company. Absolutely. And doing that in a way where you're just yourself, your energy comes through and it flows so much quicker, the, the wildfire of your connections, because people genuinely like you, they want to help you, they want to do work with you. You know, and so it, no matter what you're doing, if you're not genuine in it, it's going to come through and it's going to stifle you one way or another. Yeah, I think that's a key point that you just brought up is being yourself and using those key qualities within yourself and just fine tuning those in a way that help you connect with other people. Right? Don't change yourself. Right. Just find a way to really use your qualities because you do see people literally try to become somebody else and it doesn't work. Right. Because yeah. you can't do that. Uh, for a long period of time, but you can always be yourself. You go back to your core values and what you really believe in and just go with it. Right. And just, uh, and go with that and, and move on from there. Right. Is that kind of Absolutely. what you're saying? Like? Yeah. Imposter syndrome, you know, which is what I, it's actually called is, is going to eat you up one way, one, one way or another at some time or another. So the best advice I can give is being as genuine as you can. And if you're, if it's not, working with the group you're in front of you're in the wrong group absolutely that's a fantastic way to end this first segment uh aaron i appreciate it very much you're listening to master your finances we're going to be right back
This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker here with Aaron Claybauer, president of Imbu um, Creative. And we've been talking a little bit about the qualities that she saw growing up and all these uh, very powerful and influential people and how you have a lot of those qualities yourself and have really been uh, maturing and doing a lot even before you're 40 years old. And so I think where we left off, uh, I don't know, you were somewhere in the college age, right? So uh, you're on the cover of a CD from the band of the people that lived upstairs. And uh, so how did you, you know, when you went into college, what did you study in college? And then how did you, what was, how did your work career start off? So I was a liberal arts major. Um, I was a communications major. And then um, I did a concentration in business and professional speech with a minor in marketing and advertising. So one of the really great things that I, you know, did and I really hope anyone out there who is not, you know, who's in college does is an internship. Mm. I did two of them. Um, and let me take one step back because my mom, I said she was a vice president of a career testing and assessment company. Mm. Um, well, she wound up switching jobs to another one called Caliper, which I'm sure a lot of people know. I took the caliper once in high school, twice in college, and every time it said I need to be in a creative, collaborative space that is um, working with people, like very people-oriented. So I I knew that that was kind of my path. One of the college students that lived up in the attic, he wound up growing up and staying in touch and owning an agency. So over dinner, we kind of talked around things and what that meant. And um, I wound up taking an internship in a human resources department for the recording for the blind and dyslexic. So I learned that people part a lot. And then I took another internship at Princeton Partners um, for an advertising agency in Princeton. Um, and I gleaned on to the owner's son, who was a really successful account uh, director at that time. And I did a lot in the creative department as well, which I, st- I have two people that have worked for me that worked in that creative department. And one still does. I've known her since then. Um, she's a phenomenal copywriter. So I, I built everything from there. I did the internship and then they brought me on for a little part-time project that they gave me a stipend for. Well, that's amazing. I mean, one thing I'm picking up on, I guess, is you 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 appear to be very good at communicating. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious about how um, you feel your communication skills have led to your success. Because you hear a lot about how, how important communication is and success. I mean, really kind of working with people and, and getting your points across and, and things like that. How, how do you feel that's kind of fit into, because it seems to be part of your personality, honestly, is what I'm seeing. Tremendously. And I do that personally, professionally. Um, I always say to you know my family and my team, if you don't know where you stand with me, then I'm doing something wrong. Because, or if you don't know what my expectations are, then I'm doing something wrong. Because I 
feel that open and honest communication is is a linchpin foundation to anything that you're doing to make sure you're successful. So absolutely. But I also I'm I'm very I don't like being put in a box and I I work very well with people who are like-minded with that and allow me to shape my role or the company or whatever it is as things evolve. Um, and so I actually, you know, after I left Princeton Partners, I went to, I did a little st stint in uh, the garment district working for a women's suit line. Um, but New York was, you know, it was a lot of travel and it, it just, I decided it wasn't um, the balance that I wanted, despite as much as I worked, I still wanted to be able to come home, you know, not four hours later <laughs> and, and have a life. So um, I left there and Princeton Partners recommended me to CMA. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly talking to people and trying to say, even if you're looking for this exact position, I think that that partially is good, but then what else could happen or how else could I contribute? Or, you know, are there other things that we could do together if that doesn't work? I'm constantly trying to think about um, a well-rounded opportunity of success. And I do that with our clients now. If we can't work with them yet, what introductions can I make for them? What other, you know, maybe smaller agencies that they could work with that then as they grow, they can come to us. So it's just something that naturally I've always thought that way instead of seeing things very black and white and being in a box. No, I think that's great because, I mean, I have the same philosophy and I think that's what you want to become the point person for the solution, even yeah. if you're not the provider you say, hey, look, maybe I'm not the best fit for what your situation is, but I do know someone that I can connect you with or a company I can connect you with who could follow, who could solve the problem because you never know. Eventually, they're going to come back your way, right, from the yep. other direction, or they'll come up, there'll be a situation where there is something you can work together on and they'll remember you because you did help them in some other way that wasn't necessarily in, in your lane, so to speak, but you helped them along and now they're in another position and they're ready to to, to work because they're going to think you first right so they, they're going to want to work with you because you are helping them with solutions even if you can't provide them directly yeah i'm genuine and i truly want to help right whichever way that it can happen and you know some of these a lot of these people i become friends with mm -hmm. you know i don't believe in um you know you, you have to separate who you are business-wise versus who you are personally um, I don't, you know, business is personal and it should be done that way. I'm not saying I'm going to be run over and I'm going to lead with emotions. I'm a great business, uh, woman, but you still need to have your heart in it and enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, people are, they're still human. So, um, that's, that's always been my, my motto. Absolutely. So then you ended up at Imbue, right? Creating. You want to tell us a little bit about that and, and where you are today? Yeah, well, I was 14 years at CMA. Um, and then, you know, which obviously contributed a lot to the things I learned and, and everything there. Um, after 14 years, I decided, you know, um, that it was time for me to make a shift. I knew Michael Paperno, who was the founder and president of Imbue Creative. And we were on a board together, go figure. And um, 
we just really connected and we created, here I go again, I created a position that didn't exist at Imbue, which was their director of client success. And that basically was business development, um, agency ops and strategy, and trying to help elevate and strategize their existing client service. And so I wasn't even a year in and Michael said, you know, when I hired you, I thought I'd have five years before I felt that I could possibly move on to my next endeavor. And here we are less than a year and I'm going and I want you to take it over. And so you want to tell us a little bit about that timing? Because I know we talked about this offline. So you're taking over and when did you take over? May of last year. So <laughs> slam, bam, pandemic time. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he was like, wait, I don't like the way uh, March and April are going. I got Aaron here. Let's see. Let's see what she can do. I'm heading out of here. Oh, my God. No, but I'm kidding. You know I know. I, I said to him on the phone, I can remember exactly what I was doing, where I was, everything, because I thought he I thought he was firing me. And oh, then no. I'm like, what? And he so I think I said, oh, God. And oh, yes, <laughs> at the same time, because, yeah, it was uh, I'm so in. I, this is something I've dreamed about is being able to run my own ship and, you know, really instill the culture that I want and have a lot of say in how things are done. And it is so exciting and one of the best decisions I've made in my entire life. And the the feeling of alignment with the way that things are running is just it's undescribable. It's really great. Wow, that's that's incredible. So you 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 transitioned in May. So look, tell us a little bit about that because I know um, that May was tough for a lot of businesses, and I would suspect advertising and promotion had a significant amount of downward pressure when other companies, you know, companies like restaurants are literally closing their doors. Um, you know, some of us were able to continue to operate by making some modifications, which was one scenario, but the other scenario was they had to either shut down completely or significantly reduce uh, what they were doing. So how did you respond to that initially? And when did you realize this is like, hey, this is like for real? Because we first thought it was temporary, right? We're talking yeah. a few weeks, we're talking whatever, but it kept dragging out. They kept extending extending it out. Like every time you thought you got a goal, they would say, well, no, just kidding. We got to do this goal now. Yeah. <laughs> <Wait a minute. laughs> yeah. I mean, the one and in January of 2020, I had three accounts that were said we are signing and individually each of them would have been the largest account imbue has seen and i had three of them on the hook mm -hmm. none of them did it they all backed out in in like the march time frame and so that was a downer um the good thing is that you know the owners of imbue are very supportive in keeping things moving because they believe in it. So we're very fortunate with that. Um, but we also have a stronghold in pharma, uh, pharma, which was one of those industries that went up versus down. 
So we got really lucky with a lot of that work coming through as our others went down. And so we actually, um, we made out 2020 up from the previous year, which was amazing. Well, that is amazing. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker here with Aaron Claybauer. And we've been talking a little bit about the beginning of the pandemic and the fact that Aaron decided she gets to going to take over a creative uh, advertising position <laughs> uh, right when a lot of businesses were uh, going through a lot of stress, so to speak. And as you pointed out, some industries were actually doing very, very well. I mean, you hear about like, you know, grocery stores and you know, direct mail, like an Amazon. And then of course, pharma, uh, they actually had, they were up. Uh, in fact, things like attorneys, uh, believe it or not, our business was up big time last year because a lot of people were going through changes and they needed, they needed assistance with their financial planning aspects and things like that. So there's a lot of businesses that did really well. So, uh, I guess that's one response that happened last year. And so how did your industry, how did you respond to that? And then of course the other side of it, if you don't mind touching on that as well, the, you know, the people like the restaurants and the uh, gyms and the other ones that got kind of significantly reduced or even closed, what types of things did you do to help those kinds of businesses to get through so that they can actually be here in 2021 and start to grow this year like we're, most of them are starting to do? So what are your thoughts about all that? So it's a mixture of things that we did. One, um, we were fortunate enough that we were a virtual, I mean, we have, you know, our, our, um, offices, we were always there, but we were set up very nicely for virtual. So I just came up, you know, on the day that they said everything was closed and I was completely set. There was no setup or anything, which was really good for us. But so we immediately dove into strategy and we realized that education for those that couldn't you know, that that maybe didn't realize that they what they needed to do. So we ran a whole series of webinars that were multiple times a month that were free that we typically only did for clients. And we put that out to the masses. We called the Princeton Chamber, the Lower Bucks Chamber, the Somerset Business Partnership and said, we want to do these for your members for free. And so I think we were the first Princeton uh, Chamber webinar that they ran, ran, um, and there was a hundred and some people that were on it. It was really well, well turned out. So we ran those to try and help soften some of the education for people, either arm them with things that they could do on their own, or give them, you know, the the uh, let them know that we were the resource that they could they could leverage. Then we looked at our existing clients and we segmented them. We said, okay, based off of what we're looking at here, I mean, as much as we understand what we were looking at at that point, 
we took the certain clients and we gave those to um, our creative director and said, okay, come up with some ideas for existing clients of what they can do to, you know, ramp themselves up. And so we did individual pitches to each and every one of our clients of what, you know, we saw and what we thought their pivot should be, whether they paid for it or not. We did mm-hmm. that because we knew that it was something we had to do as an upfront investment to either grow or maintain or whatever it was. Um, so those were the two big. And then I just networked my little butt off <laughs> and I was zooming day and night um, with everyone I knew. Well, I think that I, the, but the point you just made before that, I, I think it's fantastic, is that your existing clients, of course, they're already doing business with you. So it's in everybody's best interest that they're around, right? So you said, hey, let's help them regardless of whether or not they're able to like pay us right now. Let's just make sure that we give them whatever we can, whatever tools we can give them to kind of manage their way through this process. And they're and I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna make a leap here. I'm pretty sure they appreciate that now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So now they're kind of back in like, hey, Aaron, let's really go now. Right. You know, let's really take advantage. You helped us when things got really because they're they're literally like wondering they've never been through this before. Even an experienced business owner has never had the government say you have to shut your facility down or you have to right. like, you know, that it, I mean, everybody's business model had to change to some degree. And to help somebody that's on the outside look in and say, here's what we're seeing. And here's ways that maybe can help you, right? So are there any any kind of things that you maybe saw kind of a thread through maybe several of these that you kind of did? Now, the one thing I heard you did for yourself was education. That was a big part of what we saw in our industry is that we were out there just trying to educate people, like help them out regardless of what was going on. Um, so I think that was a big part, right? Uh, yeah. What other things did you kind of see uh, happening, um, you know, when, when people are kind of really, they were locked in their homes, right? So in some ways, there were more things you could do with them because they were at home. You could reach them, right? Yes. In some ways, you could reach them digitally. So digital was huge. Those that were already doing it knew we recommended they do it even stronger if they had the opportunity because a lot of people were either dealing with all their tech and trying to transition their teams to virtual and all the mess that that, you know, came, all the mess that came with that. Oh, And marketing was the last thing that they were thinking about. So we said, you know, they they kind of pulled themselves in and we were saying, let's get ahead of that curve while the lane is clear and you start screaming even louder. So you get you kind of like leap. Um, And those that couldn't do that right off the bat because of funding reasons, we said, prep your plan so that as soon as you can, you're out the gate. Don't wait till, oh, now we can maybe start doing it and then develop your plan. So it was really all about the prep. And if you had the funds to scream louder, scream louder. We did the same for ourselves. We ramped up our social. We started doing more digital advertising. We did the digital webinars, you know, so that was a lot of what we recommended. And we saw a ton of digital. We also saw a lot of people needing to pivot because their buyer was not consuming the same information the way that they were before. So if they, you know, one of our clients, a lot of what they did was in-person seminars. 
And that worked really well for them. They would do direct mails. They would do in-person seminars. And so getting the home addresses was a fail. That was very hard to do. And people weren't coming in. So they had to completely change everything to digital and very quickly. Um, so that was something that was, and they're an alternative to long-term care and associated with nursing homes. So that whole thing was an opportunity and kind of some crisis management all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, those facilities had a rough, that whole area had a rough time, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so now that we're, we've, we've learned a lot, I think, through the pandemic adjustments, right? So now that we're kind of starting to come back out, um, I know, I know at least from our, my perspective is I'm, I'm seeing like a blended strategy now of things that I learned with that I kind of was forced into, you know, which includes like doing video conferencing and things like that, that clients are now more comfortable with it, frankly. And some of them actually preferred in certain circumstances. So I'm kind of seeing a blended strategy starting to come out of this. What are you seeing with some of your clients about how their overall strategy might have changed a little bit now that we're able to come out and maybe start doing some of the things they did, had done in 2019 and early 2020 that maybe we can start doing again in 2021. Yeah, they're doing a lot of hybrid. And again, a lot, you know, majority of our clients were already understanding digital was a major component. Um, but so it wasn't as far of a leap for them to have to transition but some of them that were more traditional are, you know, got thrown into it and are now realizing, okay, I'm not afraid of this because I had to do it and it's actually working well and I can see how it is a necessity moving forward. So we're, we're always saying the most successful companies just in general, as well as marketing is going to be those hybrids that are doing a mixture of in-person as well as, um, you know, digital and anything they can do virtually for sure. Okay. So what industries do you see kind of picking back up again now? What do you see opening up and people are like coming to you and saying, Hey, we really need to get rolling, right? Uh, let's get moving again. So yeah, the restaurants are rolling. Um, we're working for a hotel right now that's doing a lot and seeing more come back. Um, we have like a senior uh, center that is starting to ramp things up um, in, in their outbound promotion. Um, we just closed the uh, long overdue, very excited marketing partnership with the YWCA of Princeton, um, as well as, you know, tech companies. So IT was one of those industries that just flourished. But some of them were so busy, they didn't market because they didn't need to. And now they're starting to see, okay, things are settling back a little bit. I need to start marketing. And so we, you know, we're seeing that with IT even. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and, and so maybe you could touch on this a little bit is that one of the conversations that we always have in the marketing world is, uh, at least from the marketing budget standpoint, is when you're really, really busy, you don't want to market because you feel like you got you're too busy to add more business but then when it's busy then when you're not busy you're like well we don't have enough revenue to market so we shouldn't market there's always an excuse not to market right so when you're busy you're too busy to market and when you're not busy you're not bringing enough revenue to market so what is your response to that those conversations that come up all the time i'm sure um so how do you think what do you how do you 
walk yeah. people through that process? All the time. First, you need to change your mindset that marketing is an expense. It's an investment. And it's a foundational investment that you need to do into your company if you want to maintain it, let alone grow it, of course. And so that's the first thing. The second thing is um, think about, you know, if you're climbing up a hill, so you're you're doing your marketing, you're climbing up a hill, and then you decide that you're going to stop walking, you slide back down that hill. Well, then you're going to have to climb all the way back up to the, you know, the way you're going. So it's kind of the same thing with your marketing. If you're doing your marketing, you're maintaining that continuous brand awareness, continuous lead generation, whatever type of marketing you're doing. And as soon as you stop, others are coming up over you and your brand is going to be forgotten very quickly. And then you're going to have to start all over again with needing to ramp up the brand awareness and lead gen. So having minimal foundational marketing tactics that are going, even when you need to ramp back a little bit, but never shut it off because it's just, it's it's not going to go well at all. And it's going to take more investment in the long run to get it back up and running than if you maintained it. I absolutely agree. Uh, we're going to take another quick break. You've been listening to Master Your Finances and we'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider University offers flexible education for adult learners. For more information, it's rider.edu slash next step. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker. I'm here with Aaron Claybauer, the president of Imbue Creative. And uh, you gave us a lot of great tips about how you helped some businesses pivot uh, during the pandemic as you took over in May of 2020, which was right after the pandemic kind of really settled in and everybody was really saying, hey, this is not temporary. And some serious changes had to be made um, regardless of who you were. If you were really, really busy, you had to make those adjustments and how you did business. And if things were being shut down significantly, you had to make adjustments there. And we learned a lot, right? And you helped a lot of businesses get through that. And you recognize that some of those businesses weren't really in a position to, to pay as much for the services, but you wanted them to be around when this was all over. So you were actually kind of helping them along even through those difficult times for everybody they had to make adjustments. Uh, now that we're in 2021 and it appears things are going to, eventually get back to 100% and we're getting really optimistic now. What are some things that you maybe you should uh, inform us about or educate us about, I should say, as far as marketing, branding, a, a lot of a lot of people under they hear these terms, but I don't think most of us really understand them and the value of them. I mean, I, I just remember reading, you know, some of the most valuable assets are things like the Coca-Cola you know, name, right. And things like that, you know, you hear, you know, it's probably the Apple name, you know, the, it's, it's not necessarily the phones and all that. It's the product. It's the, it's, you know, it's what they actually uh, have as a brand. It's really the brand that has all that value, right. Anybody can make a phone, frankly. Right. So yep. what are your thoughts about that? And what do you help us out? 
Yeah, so that is a big um, question a lot of people say or we see when they're using it incorrectly is branding. Mm -hmm. So branding is more than just the logo. Um, Though the logo is a major representation of the brand, the brand is really the feel that you want people to have and the immediate things you want them to think of when they associate you know, with your logo or your products or your service or all of it. So, and making sure that that is set up properly really comes through uh, what we call persona development. It's, you know, putting together your ideal target client, customer, and who are they, the real human. So it's not just, well, you know, anyone could use financial services by, you know, Kurt, um, or anyone needs marketing. There really is a right fit for either of us. And you need to narrow that down and you need to look at, okay, what are their, you know, their behaviors, their needs and goals, their, um, you know, just basically how do they consume content because i'm going to consume content very differently than someone else and i'm going to consume certain types of product or service content differently than i'm going to consume others so you really need to break that down and we do it we have resources on our website that um, people can go to and they can download we have a worksheet i actually have the workshop we um, do on it free and um, recorded on there. So you can go look at that. But we do get in a room and we have um, a real session where we're, we're really making that person come to life. And we even name them. And, you know, we try and have um, alliteration. So it's very easily um, recognized by everyone and remembered, you know, successful Sally or uh, busy Bianca or whatever it is. And, um, we even give them a dog and we give them a, a car and, you know, oh, Su- you know, successful Sally and her her Range Rover and that husky in the backseat. Like, it's a joke, but you can picture that person. And so that's what we want people to really understand, because then you can really appeal to that person the way that they need to be um, appealed. And give them the information in the right places. If you don't understand who they are, what they need, what they do, how are you going to connect with them? How are you going to be in the right spot to connect with them? It's going to be a shot in the dark. And so that targeted marketing and really is going to help your budget, is going to help you be more pinpointed with your Uh, marketing and get the better quality leads. Stop thinking quantity, start thinking quality. And that's really what, you know, is so important right now. I have to agree with that. I mean, a hundred percent, because I've heard the term, you know, your ideal client is the one that that I've grown up with over the years. And you've given them a name and a dog and a, and a, and a little Ranger. Mine, mine didn't have that much stuff, but (laughs) a better life than mine did, but no, but I, I, it's, um, it really has. I mean, when that finally settled in my head as far as exactly what that meant, um, I, I think what actually happens, as you just pointed out, you actually connect better with your clients because you've defined 
who you're really serving and they know each other, yeah. right? So the families that I work with, as an example, they know similar families that would also probably be a very good fit to work with me as well. And so they 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 live in their, you know, they know people of, that are similar to them in some way, shape or form, right? right? So if somebody, I don't know, let's say you're going to McDonald's, right? That's where you go. Not that I go there very much, but I mean, mm. other people that if you have a good experience, they're going to have friends that might likely go to that same location, right? So yeah. whether, whether it's a country club, you know, or a fast food restaurant, those people that go in there probably have similar friends and connections in their network that might also go in there. Absolutely. Then, so it, it really, and it helps you clarify exactly who you are. And, um, you know, cause I mean, I, that's the one thing I see, you know, you go to these places and they, and you wonder, well, why do they have such a limited like content, right? Why don't they do more stuff? Well, I think they've learned this is who we are. Right. And when they start going outside of that, oftentimes you'll see them kind of like, it'll go down because people are like yeah. confused about who they are and what they're really trying to do. And then you hear about companies like selling off divisions and selling off pieces because that's not really what they do. And they start really messing it all up because they don't, they lose their focus. Even with large multi-billion dollar companies, they do the same darn thing. Yep. Right. Yep. So. Absolutely. And it's so crucial. And you can have more than one buyer persona, one more ideal target. Right. We don't recommend more than two or three. Um, but if you have, let's say, a law firm, right? So we work for a law firm mm -hmm. and they have different practice areas. So their different practice areas are going to have different personas. That's different than if you have one company that does, you know, similar services that could be given to a, really the same person. And think about it when you start to look at um, the different people that you can help, they're going to have qualities and traits that really do start to kind of blend together and they aren't multiple people you know if you're changing like for instance you look at some demographics um if they're you know if it's very crucial that they're a family versus a single person well then those could be two different personas but sometimes they don't have to be dependent upon their other core beliefs and, and goals and needs and wants. But if they are 25 versus 55, well, very likely that's going to be completely different personas. And so there's certain things that you can't blend together, such as that, and they become different personas and don't give ranges like, oh, he's 25 to 70. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we've had that happen. And that is not that it, that doesn't work. <laughs> so I, I know for sure that I'm definitely a different person now than I was when I was 20. Right. Right. <laughs> so, and 20 year olds I, now are very different than when I was 20 than when you were 20. Oh, that's yeah, that's true, too. Absolutely. That is very true. Yeah. No, you're right. So you have to stay up with the times as well. Yeah. So once you create these personas, I mean, what what do you do next? Now, you have these people, these two or three different targets or personas that you've created and now you have to market to them so what are what are some of the next steps now what do you do now that you've got this ideal person now you can be more focused correct correct so now we will develop your positioning statement your you know your value prop and key messages five to seven max for those people those personas and then you have your nice foundation of 
what you're going to, you know, who you want to target, what you're going to say to them. Then you have to marry, make sure your brand, the logo, the colors, the creative style, all of that marries to what we're saying these people want to engage with. Are they more traditional people? Do they want something that's more techie? Do they want something that's more youthful and cool? You know, like that kind of stuff. And then your your strategy. So, okay, what's your go-to-market strategy? How are you going to get this out? In what platforms, what mediums are you going to use? And everything is tied back to the personas and how you've outlined it. Well, they, you know, you're a closet company. They buy a lot of this um, by educating themselves, seeing that you've got a reputable, you know, company, and then they'll they'll reach out to you. Okay, well, then your sales, because sales and marketing need to align. They're different, but they need to align. Your sales is going to know, don't call them a million times because that's going to piss them off. They want to reach out to you. So we need a lead capture form with some sort of lead magnet that is going to make them push down the continuum. And it's going to be a longer sale because they want to educate themselves versus maybe a quick buy. I need this right now. I go to Google search and I buy based off of the Google ad. Well, that's very different. And so how you would market it would be very different dependent upon the actions and the ways that they engage with your product or service. Well, I think I just learned a couple of really important things. One was it's you start off with the person and then you build the your image around who you're trying to connect with. And my next thought was, and, and we see this out with large companies fairly often, it seems like, how often should you go back and review this, right? Because I go, oh, no, I have all that set up. I'm done, right? Because times change, right? We change. Um, so how often do you recommend that people go back and say, hey, maybe I need to revisit this to make sure we're kind of staying up with things and kind of re-look at my, how my brand is being presented to my, my ideal client or my persona person there? So large, large companies, you know, consumer products, things like that, they're looking at it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, average companies... I like to say a minimum of quarterly, you know, some can do it twice a year. God, if you're not doing it at least towards the end of the year, when you're de developing your next year's plan, that is bare bones. Um, but I like to look at it quarterly to at least, even if it's a quick check-in, everything going good. Everyone still feels we're on point with su successful Sally or whatever it is. <laughs> Great. And they're like, no, I think successful Sally. Now that we're at home, She's not going to be, we can't be doing our direct mails to her anymore because she's not in the office. So we need to pull that out and how could we replace it? Mm -hmm. So that would be a change. Right. You know, or if a major catastrophe happens or some significant, you know, life event happens, then yes, of course, such as a pandemic, then you need to jump on it right away. Well, this has been amazing, Aaron. Uh, any last minute thoughts before we break here? Um, no, I mean, if we can help anyone, you know, we'd love to please uh, go to our website and viewcreative.com. And um, we'd like to help you any way that we can. Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, you've been listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional. I can be reached at 609-716-4700. You can uh, listen to this podcast and all the podcasts we have by going to masteryourfinances.us. Remember, together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind.
That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten in part by Certified Wealth Management and Investment and Rider University. Rider offers continuing studies programs for adults who need flexibility. Want to add new skills to your resume? Take a continuing studies course at Rider University.